Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Some of you are applauding too loud, like you really want me to go. <laughs> no, it's, we're so thankful for that. Um, it is. We know that um, um, God has got lots, lots for us to do. And we want to be, be ready for, for the next season, for everything he's got for us as a church and for us just in our own ministries also. We are passionate about families. And like Carla said, we really feel that it's time for us to, to um, put together something where we can help marriages and where we can help people who, are, who have kids with parenting. And we've been blessed that, that God's um, guided us through our time of being parents and also being married. So we want to... We want that blessing to go into other people's lives also. So we're very excited th- about that. Uh, we have great speakers lined up. Um, Pastor Laurie and Jason is going to be here also. Um, Joel um, Hoising, who you guys all love, he's going to be um, Bish is going to speak. Um, I have uh, one or two messages that we have will have recorded, which we will play, which f- um, all forms part of the series. So everything will flow, and church is going to be amazing, and, and um, our worship and everything else is still going to be be here so and we know that the church is not about me and Emery it's about the gathering of people who love God together and uh, you will have your family church family here every Sunday so so uh, thank you to our executive team and our leadership team for allowing us to go on a sabbatical it is really appreciated and much needed um, not because we're tired of church, please hear me. <laughs> it's, 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 it's really, we just feel that God is telling us that this is the time for us to do it. So we want to respond to that also. We are busy with our series um, regarding the Trinity. It's called the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and who? Um, and the who that we're talking about is the Holy Spirit. And we, we've had quite a few weeks um, that we spent on this. This is week seven, and we're going to have next week one more week on it. Um, and the whole purpose of it is introduced to every single one of us, the, the third person of the Trinity. Um, some of us, we're scared of him. Some of us, we love him. Some of us don't know anything about him. Um, and the goal is that we, we don't only love Jesus and, and love the Father, but we should have a loving relationship with the Holy Spirit in our lives also. Once upon a time, there was a thing called a space shuttle. Um, this is before Elon Musk and the guy from Amazon built theirs. Um, it's almost funny to say, um, but the space shuttle, they would launch out of the Kennedy uh, Space Center in Florida. Now get this, the shuttle, the last one that they launched, weighed four and a half million pounds. Four and a half million pounds. I just want you to think of that number. How on earth are you going to be able to get four and a half million pounds from earth far enough into space that it can actually orbit? You need power to do that. And I'm not talking my hybrid Hyundai power because that thing is like a torque. I mean, that slaps you back in the seat. Not at all. <laughs> but you need a tremendous amount of power. If you can just think, four and a half million pounds. Like, I'm 200 pounds now. I struggle to jump. Yeah, white men can jump. It's a fact. Um, 
So, so just think, so, so what they said is they, they tell us they needed 7 million pounds of thrust. Now, we can't really put that into, we can't explain that, but 7 million pounds of thrust, that is an enormous amount of power needed. Um, now, I want you to think of this. How much power does it take to create the universe? If we have to put that into a number, like we can't. How much power does it take to maintain the galaxies, the solar systems? How much power does it take to save a soul? How much power does it take for God to use people like you and me? I'll add that in. How much power, can you think how much God, like how active He has to be in our lives to be able to use us effectively? The answer to the question is it takes an enormous amount of power. But we're talking about God, and we're talking about God's power, and He's got power on reserve. It's not like God comes in after a day and puts His feet up and goes, wow, that was a hard one. Right? I really struggled. You know, I almost ran out. God has got so much power. And what's been amazing to me is, is that we are talking about the Holy Spirit, and, and it says in Acts, Acts 1 verse 8, it says, but you will receive power. Look at that word there, right there. You will become dynamic. The word power, the word um, dynamus, dynamin, which is dynamic. You will become dynamic. You will become somebody who's not just um, cruising through life, but you will become dynamic when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. God wants to give us His power to live the Christian life. We've been talking about this. Now, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I want you to hear me. It's far more than a power. The Holy Spirit is a person. And He's not just a person. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. He is God Himself. He is the third member of the Trinity. And as we discussed that the Holy Spirit is a divine person, we also talked about the fact that God said, I'm going to send you a helper. He's called the paraclete. Translated, it means the counselor, the comforter, uh, which literally means one who is called alongside to help us. He's basically what Jesus said. It's better for you that I go away. Why? Because right now, while I'm here, I am here to help you, but I can only help the 12 of you. But when I go away, I'm sending you one that will be with every single one of you. And you have to know him. You have to welcome him in your life. We have a helper. We God's people. Every single one of you sitting here. You have a helper. And he's not a helper like we can imagine. He has good plans for us. He knows God's plans and secrets about us. He is part of the Trinity. If I can drill this into your hearts, that we have to live this way and we can live this way every single day. If we can get to that place where no matter what we're going through, we go through this, to this place of I have a helper. I have a what, what situation I'm in? God, I have to make a decision. But I don't have to make this on my own. I have a helper. I have a helper. I have a helper. 
if you can get to that place of, of even, you know, so many times for me, I, I, I have seen where I'm trying to figure something out in the house. And in that moment, trying, you know, man, I, I've got no idea how to do this. And in that moment, I go, but I have a helper. Like, Holy Spirit, how do I, how do, I do this? Being a parent this, this week, you know, seeing my son was here for a week um, from Minnesota, which was so great. He just flew back this morning. And, and parenting teenagers is super easy. <laughs> but listen, you've got a helper. We can't paint every kid with the same brush. There's not one paint can that we can use for every situation and every circumstance. God knows exactly the intricate details of how you put your sons and your daughters together. So that you don't just try and, you, and parent them the same as the one next one. Because God says, listen, they are unique. And you have a helper on how you can guide and steer and direct every single one of them. I have a helper. Parents, you have a helper. It's not, it's not just the same. Man, but unless you know that helper... It's almost, unless you go to him, it's like he's like just standing on the wings. He's like, tap me in. Like, tap me in. I want to be part of this. But we keep trying to work it out on our own. And God says, you've got a helper. I want you just to say, man, I have a helper. In the day, in the week, wherever you are, I've got a helper. Okay, now, we, we did talk about um, the Holy Spirit being a helper. And we spoke about that the Holy Spirit chases us down. And you are saved and you are in the church. Um, the Holy Spirit, when, when you are saved, what happens, happens is the Bible says He becomes a seal to your salvation. It's almost like the mark of the King is on your life. So now you are saved because the mark of the King is in you. But then also it says the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the church, into the body. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you know it or don't know it, if you are a believer, you've been baptized into the body of Christ with the Holy Spirit. You have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, knowing or unknowing. It's not a choice. It happens when you say yes to Jesus. You are baptized into the body of Christ. Now, we spoke about the, the specific uh, pronouns or, or precepts that are used. The one is um, baptized with, baptized in, and then the la last one that we looked on was being filled. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Different preposition. Came upon them. That means being filled. We are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes after us to save us, number one. He comes inside of us to sanctify us. And the third component is He comes upon us to supercharge us. You will receive power. And He gives us His empowering. Two weeks ago, we spoke about the fruit of the Spirit that is growing in us. Because we are anchored in Jesus, He is the vine, we are the branches. And as a branch, I am growing out of the vine, which means I have to have the fruit that is from the vine. I have to have God's fruit. And the fruit that we are supposed to bear, the fruit that we are supposed to have in our life, is the fruit of love. Now, this love of Christ manifests itself in eight different ways. 
Love is manifested in the joy, in our peace, in our patience, in our kindness, in our generosity, in our faithfulness, in our gentleness, and in our self-control. So the fruit of the Spirit, it's one fruit, love, that manifests itself in eight different ways. When people look at you, they will determine if you have the love of God in your life based on eight things. Your joy, your peace, your self-control, your generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness. This should be what is seen by others when they look at you. Wherever you are, whatever you do, whatever you post, whatever you write, whenever you order takeouts or a drive-through, I was thinking there's a new app that I want to create. I'm telling you, it's an ingenious app where we rate, and my kids, they know every time we drive through a drive-through, I get so frustrated because they get the order wrong. And I've already waited in line and know there's cars behind me. What? Am I going to park now and go inside and say, no pickle? No. So what I'm thinking is like, I want to create an app where you can rate drive-throughs for their accuracy. And the higher the rating, the bigger chance I will go there. Anyway, that's another pitch. If anybody wants to do me, help me with that, you forget about it. Okay, so, so, so here's the thing. Well, what do we do when people don't do everything exactly how, how we want them to do it? We react, we respond, we get angry, we get frustrated. The, the thing is, we have to carry the fruit of Christ in every situation. In our frustration, in our anger, in our disagreements, in our wrongdoings, in our thought patterns, in our decisions in life, your fruit has to resemble love. That's what people should see. Now, I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because this is where we're going to start now today regarding the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and where I'm just today, I'm just going to introduce it to you, and I want to give you knowledge foundation. Today is knowledge, because I do believe for everything we believe in the Bible and in the Word, we need a firm foundation based on the Word, so that what we are presenting, do you have confidence that what you are presenting is God and Christ? Are you confident that it's the word? Because if you are not, then you will be scared when people hear it. But when you are confident that it's from God, you are confident in, in the way that you conduct yourself in it. So 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. It just means ones that can't speak. They are dead. But I do like the word dumb idols. It's like my other two favorite words now, sucker shoots, sucker shoots. Yeah, I love that word, sucker shoots. Um, so and then he goes on, he says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the prophet of all, for the benefit of everybody around you. You are baptized into the body of Christ. So the spirit that's going to work through the gifts in your life, it should be for the benefit of all. Now notice in verse 1, the term spiritual gifts. The Greek word there is pneumatikon. It's the Greek word, pneumatikon, a breath. A breath 
Remember when, when God breathed in, into Adam in Genesis, it's the word pneuma. It's the breath of God. It's life-giving. So spiritual gifts is life-giving gifts. Pneumaticon. Two words in English, spiritual gifts and Greek, pneumaticon. The term pneumaticon is referring to, to spiritual gifts. But what is interesting is what Paul says about spiritual gifts, about pneumaticon. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant about it. Now, what I've discovered is whenever Paul mentions something that he says we should not be ignorant about, it is because there is great ignorance. There are two specific areas that Paul spoke about where people and believers are walking around in ignorance. I'll name them for you. The first one is spiritual gifts. He says that we as believers, we should not be ignorant about it because we are. And the second one is everything else. That's a joke. Yes, you guys are slow this morning. Second one is what? Coming of the Lord. I find that the church is still ignorant on those two things. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant about this. I want you to be informed. Now, notice the word, the word ignorance, by the way, is the word agnaeo. Agnaeo. It sounds like uh, one of my kids' dance music. Agnaeo. It sounds like that, right? Agnaeo. Everybody want to say that? Agnaeo. Yeah, there you go. Agnaeo. Okay, so that's a Greek word there for, for, for being ignorant. I do not want you to be agnaeo. Now, you are all going to remember that. Come on, when you go home, you're going to do it in the car with your kids. Okay. Now, what that means is without knowledge, literally, or without understanding, speaks of somebody who doesn't know something. He says, I do not want you to be a people, a church, a body that is without knowledge, that speaks on something that you are uninformed on it. I want you to be informed. And that's why we're doing this series. For me, is I want our body to be informed about this amazing power that God has given us in the Holy Spirit, the person, the divine person that lives in us, that is our helper, so that we can live life victorious. So he goes on into lengthy discussion in chapter 12, partly chapter 13, and then also in chapter 14. They, they all, they, there are no chapters um, when they were written, just so we know. It wasn't Paul didn't write chapter 1, right? So, so the chapters, the, the um, breaking up of the chapters, these were done by people who translated the Bible so that we are able to understand them better. But this was one, one thing that was written all together. So he starts in chapter 12. Then chapter 13, what does he do? He speaks on love, the gifts of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit. Then he comes back to chapter 14 again. Why? Because every gift of the Spirit, every gift of the Holy Spirit, chapter, 12, uh, chapter 13 is the fruit of the Spirit. Every gift has to be anchored in the fruit. If there's no love, whatever you are doing, if there's no love, you're doing it out of the wrong 
from the wrong place. So he wants us to have it anchored in love. He continues in verse 8. He says, For to the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, I know that, that we've come, this body is made up of so many different congregations and different people that come from different places in the world. Um, uh, we have Catholic, Anglican, um, Baptist, United, Pentecostal, uh, Assemblies of God, um, Dutch Reformed, Reformed, um, Christian Reformed. Uh, we have brethren. We have like, I want to say almost, there are so many denominations and they are all here this morning. All gathered together. And I know every denomination, many of them have a difference on opinion regarding specifically the Holy Spirit. And I know for some of you, it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about. Especially the gifts of the Spirit. You get nervous. I've seen some of you twitch around already. I can see everything from the front. And I understand, I think some of you, you're like afraid. And most of you say, I just want to stay away from that. I'm afraid to open myself up to that stuff because I never know what could happen. Like if I open myself up to that stuff, I might start talking weird. I might be in the lineup in Safeway and suddenly I talk a different language. And people will look at me strange. That, that is not what's going to happen. That is not what the Holy Spirit is going to do in your life. You're not going to lose self-control. It's not going to be that the Holy Spirit does not possess you. It's not a possession that happens. It is an understanding that God's helper, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. And He is for me. He's not against me. So the more I give myself over to Him, the more He's going to use me to what? Love people. That's the purpose. So that people come into the body of Christ. So that they can see God's goodness. Being filled with the Spirit is never about losing control. And it's always about saying, God, I want you to have control in my life. Because I know you know better than I do. Now the premise for this idea that God worked in a way... Um, there's some people from different denominations that believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit was dispensational. It's called dispensationalism. Dispensationalism um, is the following. I adhere to dispensationalism, sort of, a little bit. I am a mild dispensationalist. I agree with certain things, and I'm going to give you a theology class. Everybody ready? Now, a dispensation means a time period, okay, dispensation. So a dis dispensational class, in a theology class, when you go to a dispensational class, you will learn about different dispensations. The, the first one that you will learn about is the Edenic dispensation. That's a time period in the Garden of Eden. That God was working in a certain way in the Garden of Eden. He created everything. He said that I'm done. Adam and Eve, no sin yet. 
I agree that that dispensational period, that's done. That time period is done. The next one is called the antediluvian dispensation. That is the time period before the flood. God worked in a certain way then. If you read in the Old Testament, you will recognize that there were certain things that happened during that time that's not happening anymore. Then the post-diluvian dispensation. That is after the flood. From, from basically Abraham's time period up to Moses. There was a different way that God worked in that time. Then we've got the Mosaic or the law dispensation. God worked specifically with the Jewish nation based on the law. Now we come to the New Testament and we have the ecclesiastical dispensation. That's an easy one to say. These are some big words. Um, so in a theology course, what they will say is God works in different ways in different times. We can agree. Like I agree with all of those. So far, I can say yes and amen. You guys? Amen. amen. There you go. Now, what they will do is when they come to the church age, they will divide it up by saying, well, we have an apostolic age, apostolic dispensation, and we have a post-apostolic dispensation age. The apostolic age is clearly when the church started. The apostles were running around and they were doing miracles. And Paul and Peter and, and all the disciples, they, they were planting churches. They were converting Jewish, um, Jewish people to Christianity, Jewish faith to Christianity. They were converting Gentiles to Christianity. The church was started. But what dispensationalism believe is they believe that what the apostles were functioning in, the gifts of the Spirit, word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, healing, a prophetic word. They believe that that is done. It was simply for the apostles because the church had to be planted so God had to show off more. That's the mindset behind it. There had to be signs, wonders, and miracles for the purpose for the church to be established and planted. That's why it was there. Now, now here's my problem that I have with that. If we think the church is doing so well that God doesn't have to show forth his power anymore, therefore God, um, well, the power, you know, like on a battery, the power lines ran out, so there's nothing left for us to do. Now we just have to do it based on knowledge. We will not convert the world based on knowledge and, and big smiles and breakfasts. It is the power of God in every believer's lives that has brought them into the kingdom. Not my incredible speaking ability. Why are you guys laughing about that? Thank you, Van. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it is God that did it. We need God's power today, I think, even more. Simply because we have a few billion people more that we have to reach. God's power is still needed in this world. So I, and the reason that, here's the scripture that dispensationalists will use. It's in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 8 to 10. This is the scripture that they anchor their argument on and also not. Um, they say, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part. We prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, 
that which is in part will be done away with. That is the, the arguing verse for dispensationalism. Now, here's how they interpret that. Tongues, prophecies, and all these gifts were for a time period where the collection, before the collection of the full body of scriptures. Before the canon of scripture. So, tongues, prophecies, and knowledge was there before we had the Bible. Once we had the full canon of the New Testament scripture, all these gifts, which were like crutches for the early disciples, until we had the Bible, they needed them. But now that we have the Bible, we don't need them anymore. They are done away with. They were only for the apostles. They now ceased. Now, that is a very bad interpretation of Scripture, of the text. And here's how I know. Because even very hyper-dispensationalists say so. They say themselves that the context and the wording of the Scripture is not a reference to the Bible because the Bible is not perfection. The perfect one is Christ. So they will cease when we have Christ again. They won't cease before that. Because he's the only one that is perfect. And until he comes, we as the body of Christ in our lives, we need the gifts. Because if you say, well, tongues will cease once we have the Bible, it also says knowledge will cease. And God knows we need knowledge. So, I do not believe that the gifts of the Spirit were just for the apostolic age. I believe it is very relevant for the church today, and we need it. Now, I have to make a note of something. Um, whenever you bring up spiritual gifts, and I know that this is the concern that some of you might have, people are worried about abuses, the abuse of it. And I got to tell you something. There will be abuses. There will be. Because there's always people who are foaming at the mouth. So excited to show to people, wait until they see what I can do. The heart's wrong. The gift is not. The heart's wrong. That's why it's so important for us to have the foundation of the word established in love. So that when we function in the gift, it is for the profit of all and not for the show off of self. So there will be some instances where things go wrong. And, and here's something else that you're also going to recognize is when you discover that you have a spiritual gift, what's going to happen is you're going to make mistakes and you're going to fall. We will make mistakes with our spiritual gifts sometimes. But the intention is not show off. The intention is because we want to love others. We want to profit others. And then there is grace. So I hope that you will step, step in and not be scared of the abuses. Um, you should never be afraid of the Holy Spirit. You should never be afraid of the Holy Spirit. You should never, ever be afraid of the Holy Spirit. I want to say that again because I know some of us are scared of allowing Him in our lives. You should never be afraid of the Holy Spirit. He is for you. He's not against you. 
Okay, really quick. What are the spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts, in short, are spiritual capacities, spiritual endowments, spiritual capabilities. In 1 Corinthians 12, um, amplified, I'm going to read this to you quickly. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That is the evidence, the spiritual illumination of the Spirit for good and profit. To one is given in and through the Holy Spirit the power to speak a message of wisdom. And to another, the power to express a word of knowledge and understanding according to the Holy Spirit. To another, wonder-working faith by the same Holy Spirit. To another, extraordinary powers of healing by the same one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophetic insight. That is the gift of interpretation. The divine will and purposes of God. To another, the ability to discern and distinguish between the utterance of true spirits and false ones. I, I, I think so many moms have been given this gift. The ability to determine a lie. Like it, it is like, it's almost like God's given it to moms. It's like the package deal. Birth, discernment. Here you go. Right? It goes with it. Now, spiritual gifts are not the same as spiritual fruit. They are different. Fruit of the Spirit and gifts are different. Fruit deals with spiritual characteristics. You are going to resemble Christ in your conduct. Gifts deal with spiritual capabilities. What does one do for the Lord? Fruit develops gradually. It takes time to have fruit. You don't plant an apple seed it is a seed. Um, you don't plant an apple seed or an apple and expect an apple tree the next. I've watered you. Come on now. No, you know it's going to take some time for that fruit to develop. However, spiritual gifts are received instantly. And that is where a big part of the misuse of spiritual gifts has happened in the past in the church. And what we've seen. We see people that accept Christ, become saved, love God, say yes to the Holy Spirit. And then they receive their gift. They start functioning in it. But their character has not yet developed where the fruit of love is there, and then the gift becomes misused. We've seen that. We know about that. Fruit is produced wisely, widely. Gifts are bestowed selectively. Fruit is for all of us. It's not like he said, okay, I'm only going to give patience to you. I want you to grow in patience, but you guys don't worry about it. No, it's for all of us. Fruit he wants in all of our lives. Gifts are specific. Let me give you an example. Um, I said last time, God doesn't say to us, listen, I'm going to give you joy, and I'm going to give you gentleness, um, and you, I'm going to give long-suffering. But I'm not going to give you joy or gentleness to go with the long-suffering. He wants us all to have it. The gift of prophecy is not given to everyone. The gift of word of wisdom is not given to everyone. It's selective. God has a gift for you or a few gifts that he wants you to function in. Something else, spiritual gifts also are not the same as natural talents. You might be good at art. You might play the piano incredibly. You might be good at math or music. Believers and unbelievers play piano. I've heard some great heathen music. It's natural talent that you are born with, first birth. A natural talent you are born with. Gifts comes with the second birth. 
It's like the ability that God's given you the moment you say yes to the Holy Spirit. There is a gift given to every single one of us. Multiple gifts given to every single one of us. Now, many times they are tied together with our natural talents. For example, if you've got a soothing voice, you're probably going to be paired with somebody uh, or not with a gift that is a voice of encouragement. Like, can you imagine, you know, thinking that you call to teaching, but you've got a voice like this. God's not going to pair that two together. That's not going to happen. It's like, no, like nobody will listen. Like, I'm a great teacher. No, please stop. Thank you. Another example, a man who is a visionary. Being a visionary is a talent. There are many people who are entrepreneurs. They've got this ability to see something where others don't. Um, opportunities, visionary. Now, many times they are paired with, with the gift of faith. The ability to see a building where others don't. And then they have the faith to step out and actually take the steps towards it. It's a gift that God has given to certain people. The one gift is not greater than the other. That's very important to understand. Don't aspire to be something or have a gift that is not there. Something else that I want to say, and I'm going to finish now. The lack of having a natural ability is not an excuse to say, I don't have a spiritual gift. Some people say, I don't have any natural abilities. Well, maybe you weren't born with any, but you were born again with spiritual gifts. It is there. For many of us, it's dormant. We've never stepped into it. We've never said, God, show me what, what areas do you want me to use in the body where I can profit all. But it's not just for me and for my sake, but it's for the purpose that I can advance your kingdom. What are the gifts that you want me to use? that you've given to me, that I can use for your body. And then we start practicing them, and then we start using them. Make note of a few things. Number one, they're given, they're not earned. You can't go to God, okay, I've served so much now. Can I become a speaker? I had somebody come to me in our church um, two or three years ago and said, yeah, I've decided I also want a flock like you have. First, I thought he was talking about my clothes or something. I, was, <laughs> I said, well, I think you buy these at Winners. He said, no, I mean people. I also want to lead a flock. So, um, and I said to him, okay, so have you led a home group? No. Have you anybody ever led anybody in any capacity anyway? No. People don't really feel attracted towards me. Say, so, well, how are you at coffee? Maybe you're great in serving. Maybe you're great in setup. Maybe you are great with faith of saying, you know what? I can stand in faith for somebody else. Being a preacher and a teacher is not greater than being somebody who serves people through love making coffee. It is the same God, the same spirit. So they are not earned. They are given. They're called gifts. So picture it this way. In the body of Christ, Jesus is the head. The Holy Spirit is like the nervous system conveying to each cell, each member, each part, what their role is to be for a healthy body. 
God knows what this body needs. So he's placed people here for the benefit of others so that we can advance his kingdom. Next week, um, we will conclude um, our ministry uh, speaking on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm very excited next week because I'm going to have, um, we're going to have seven people on stage from our congregation who function or who has functioned in the different gifts of the Spirit. And what we're going to do is they're going to share with you just short testimonies of how God has used them and what the impact has been in other people's lives. Because I think it's so important and valuable for you to hear how gifts function properly and healthy. Because they can function healthy. I've seen people's lives completely make a... I don't want to make a 360 because that's then they're back where they started, a 180, right? Go another direction, like make a half turn. Um, because, because God's given them a word of wisdom, of God's used us to give them a word of knowledge, or God has used us to stand in faith, or God has used us to pray for a miracle, or God has used us to pray for healing, or God has given us a prophetic word over them and over their lives. It's impacted people's lives when it's done in love, in order. It's beautiful. So I encourage you to come back next week um, and hear the testimonies of how God has changed people's lives. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are the best father there is in this world and you won't give us anything to harm us or to damage us. That every gift from you is good and perfect and beautiful. And we should welcome it. We should say, yes, God, I want everything that you have for me. Everything that, that, that you, you know that I need, God, I say yes to that. Because there's no bad in you. And I pray that we will be a body, Father, that functions with this amazing power, this helper that you've given us. Not for our own promotion or our own advantage but so that we can love people into your kingdom. You want to use us. We are your hands and feet. And we want to be a body that says, yes, use us. So I pray, Father, for, for fear that there might be. I pray that that fear would go. And I pray that your peace um, and, and your trust will fill that place where some people are scared of it. I pray that, that your, your, um, just your presence will be with people, that they know, yes, this is from you, and it's not a man-made thing. It's nothing to be scared of. We love you, God. So I pray your blessing over every home, over every family that's here, over every person. In Jesus Christ's wonderful name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.